0: Readers, and welcome to episode 16 of Lost the Plot, the Tinted Edges monthly podcast all about books. I'm your host Harrod and this is going to be the last episode of season one of Lost the Plot. I'll be going on a brief hiatus while I'm traveling overseas, but I hope to be back with a vengeance for a second season later on in the year. So thank you so much to everyone who's been listening and downloading and following and liking. The entire first season of Lost the Plot is available now to listen to on SoundCloud in chronological order. Uh, So to celebrate the wrapping up of the first season, we're going to be doing a special episode with lots of content, including a chat with our friend from episode 11, young adult author Donna, to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the publication of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. But first, book updates. Last episode, I talked about the Pulp to Book upcycling project I was involved in, and I was so, so, so excited to see that somebody had done an artwork of my artwork. How meta is that? You can see the fantastic illustration by Shauna O'Meara in the show notes, as well as all the other artworks the artist did covering Noted Festival. I also mentioned the ACT Literary Bloggers of the Future program I've been accepted into with the ACT Writers' Centre and the National Library of Australia. I was super excited to get my official bloggers pass and to go to my first event, which was to see author Hugh Mackay speak. You can check out my first blog post on the Capital Letters blog in the show notes. Then finally, I was so thrilled and honoured to lead the discussion for Asia Bookroom's fantastic book club that I talked about way back in episode 8 with uh, Asia Bookroom's owner Sally. I suggested The Vegetarian by Han Kang for that book club, which was my favourite book from last year, and the conversation was absolutely scintillating. Everybody had fantastic insights, and some of the great questions that came out included can trees consent? How many different ways can a woman be controlled? Is a mediocre husband a bad husband? Fantastic night, I can't wait for the next one. There wasn't heaps of news for Books for the World, but Patrick Rothfuss did hold a mini fundraiser for his charity, World Builders, called Geeks Doing Good. For about a week, there was heaps of merch available for sale with all proceeds going towards the author's World Builders. Uh, project and there was a little bit of criticism on the Tinted Edge's Facebook page that Pat Rothfuss was spending too much time on his philanthropic endeavours and not enough time writing the third book in his series and uh, this is I think particularly in light of the fact that um, the 10th anniversary of The Name of the Wind is coming up. Personally I don't mind so much Rothfuss is such a beautiful writer and it's only a trilogy and so I'm not worried if he takes his time to get it perfect while helping others unlike some other epic fantasy authors I can think of. Anyway, speaking of helping others it's not strictly news but Al Jazeera published a fantastic story this month about a garbage collector in Colombia who for 20 years has been saving books from the trash and giving them back to the community. 55 year old Jose Alberto Gutierrez has been described as Colombia's lord of the books and has donated books to over 200 schools, bringing libraries to some schools that had no library at all. It's a great story and you can check it out in the show notes for a bit of a pick-me-up. On to book news. A few awards to cover this month. The winner of the Man Booker International Prize has been announced and Israeli author David Grossman has won the 50,000 uh, no not dollars pounds so even more pound prize for his novel A Horse Walks Into a Bar together with his English translator Jessica Cohen. The finalists for the Miles Franklin Award have been announced and there are 5 books on the shortlist and I actually have not heard of any of them. Uh, There looks like there are a lot of independent publishers in the mix, so it'll be good to get some new blood in the award. 2016 Nobel Prize Laureate for Literature, Bob Dylan, has again found himself embroiled in further controversy after being awarded the prestigious prize for his poetry and song lyrics last year. So to accept the prize, worth over a million dollars, Dylan had to give a public address within six months from the 10th of December 2016. Notoriously shy of the public, Dylan declined to attend the official Nobel Prize Banquet and Ceremony. Wouldn't you like to be so famous you say no to attending the Nobel Prize Ceremony? Anyway, instead he decided to give his lecture in an online video a mere days, like three or four days before the cutoff for the prize money. However, it appears that quite a bit of the 27-minute video has in fact been plagiarized from Sparknotes. Dylan has yet to comment, but some people have been describing his speech as lazy and the kind of thing you would get from a high school student. A new category of award this month was the Australian Library and Information Association's Inaugural Australian Library Design Awards. There were five winners, each from a different category. Public library, school library, academic library, special library. I'm not sure what a special library is, but a special library and the ALIA's member's choice. So there was some pretty intense author drama this month, and the first story was pretty horrible. Mia Friedman, co-founder and creative director of website Mamma Mia!, recently did a podcast interview with uh, American feminist writer Roxanne Gay. The main topic of the interview was Gay's new book, which is called Hunger, a memoir of my body, which explores her relationship with food and trauma and her own body. And so, in what many would consider to be a gross betrayal of trust between interviewer and interviewee, Friedman disclosed some quite personal, and possibly untrue, information about the adjustments that Gay allegedly required prior to the interview due to her size. Unsurprisingly, there was a huge amount of backlash against both Friedman and Mamma Mia, and the podcast was eventually taken down. Clementide Ford also has once again found herself at the centre of a social media frenzy after Brisbane bookshop called Avid Reader shared one of her Facebook posts announcing that she's writing a second book called Boys Will Be Boys. The bookstore was soon inundated with negative comments and reviews accusing it of being misandrist, which is um, man-hating for those playing at home. However, the literary community fought back and gave the page thousands of 5-star reviews in return. Writer Benjamin Lee took to the fray to respond to individual comments with his signature scathing one-liners to defend his former workplace. Avid reader social media manager Chris Curry pointed out the irony of being criticised for stocking this book when, just two years earlier, the store was criticised for censorship when they decided not to stock a book. Which just goes to show you can't please anyone, Curry said. So Australia's only copy of an original edition Shakespeare Folio has taken a trip from the New South Wales State Library to the Queensland State Library in celebration of Queensland Day. Now this was not a road trip, this was an aeroplane trip and the volume got its own plane seat and its own specially designed cushion to protect its binding and its spine. I wish I got that kind of treatment when I flew. Anyway, the book is 394 years old and is one of only 235 surviving copies in the world. In Ireland, an auction of a private collection of books from the library of a 19th century judge is expected to reach the value of £1.8 million. The collection was left to a Jesuit community college in Dublin after the judge's death and has hardly been touched since. The collection also contains rare Shakespeare folios, as well as a first edition Gulliver's Travels, some Wordsworth, and medieval manuscripts. So there was a fascinating and very tragic podcast that went up this month about an unsolved crime from 37 years ago. Now, why is this relevant to this podcast, you may ask? Well, this murder took place in a bookshop. Maria James was stabbed almost 70 times in her home, which was attached to a bookshop, and her death to this day remains unsolved. And you can read the article and listen to the podcast yourself down in the show notes. So, a couple of book releases. Young adult author John Green has announced a new book to be released on the 10th of October 2017. The book, titled Turtles All the Way Down, is about a 16-year-old girl who is trying to track down a fugitive billionaire while dealing with her own mental illness. However, much more interesting to me is a book by poet Hani Abdil, who fled Somalia when she was 16 and was kept in detention for 11 months on Christmas Island. Um, After starting up her own newsletter about the detention called CC Weekly, which she shared on social media, she was contacted by the founder of Writing Through Fences, who encouraged her to take up writing poetry. Abdil has published her first collection called I Will Rise and is currently completing her high school certificate, Safe in Australia. J.R.R. R. Tolkien, author of The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, has had his story *Baron and Luthien published posthumously as a standalone story this month. The book was edited by his son, Christopher, and is illustrated by Alan Lee, who won an Academy Award for his work on The Lord of the Rings franchise. Now, will I read this? Uh like I liked The Hobbit even though there were no women and but oh my god The Lord of the Rings this is very controversial it goes it's so long and like book 2 but you know if it's illustrated and edited and maybe cut down a bit maybe I'll give this one a go and at least you know there's going to be one female character Anyway in sad news Michael Bond the author of Paddington Bear has died at age 91 now, I'm not sure I actually ever read any Paddington Bear books, but I have definitely knew about him, and I had a gorgeous VHS tape that I used to watch and love as a kid. And maybe I might add some of these books to my list to read. Uh, in more cheery children's books news, but before we get to the heart of this episode, a Dr. Seuss museum has just opened in Massachusetts, USA. The museum is in the city of Springfield, and no, that's not the Simpsons town. Or is it? where Theodore Geisel, also known as Dr. Seuss, was from. Uh, Looks like they've stayed true to Dr. Seuss's style and it seems like it would be a great place to take kids to visit. So I already mentioned that I got to see Humakai, but I was very, very very lucky to be a last minute ring in to see Julia Baird speak at University House at ANU about her new Queen Victoria biography. So massive shout out to Kendall for inviting me along and we had a fantastic time listening to the conversation, enjoying our two course meal, Uh, though I did have a little bit of a run in with an older lady who did not appreciate me taking notes on my phone about the event. So if you thought you had escaped Harry Potter news this month, you couldn't be more wrong. There were plenty of stories to celebrate the 20th anniversary, so if you want to peruse them at your leisure, I've listed some of my favourites in the show notes. Um, there was an article republished from 1997, and a particularly interesting one from the New York Times about the othering of muggles that I would highly recommend. And then Pottermore finally launched its book club on the website, although I'm not sure it's gotten that much traction, to be honest. It seems like you have to do stuff on Twitter. Anyway, but more interestingly, Pottermore announced an open casting call for the next Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them film, which I am way too old for, even though I am still not quite over being able to audition for Hermione or when I was a kid. The next film in the series has been slated for release in November 2018, which is ages away. Anyway, also, In Canberra, and speaking of movies, there's going to be a Harry Potter Movie Marathon in September at Palace Electric Cinemas, which of course I'll be going to. Um, It apparently is going to go for 23 hours. I didn't realise there was 23 hours worth of film, but I guess they broke film 7 up into two parts. But the event I was most, most, most excited about uh, was an event that was hosted by Libraries ACT. I am so excited. I am just about to go to a Harry Potter 20th anniversary party at the Woden Library, courtesy of Libraries ACT. I've just raced home from work, dug through all my clothes to put on the correct outfit, so I'm wearing a my Hufflepuff scarf, my Harry Potter Hogwarts school jersey. Um, I'm wearing a black tartan skirt which is probably a bit too short but hey let's face it that's how I wore it when I was in school and um, I am probably going to leave right now because I'm so excited I want to be early I've been told that I have to look out for Professor Snape and Professor Moody and introduce myself to them so hopefully they don't deduct too many points from my house because I'm not wearing a tie A huge thank you to Libraries ACT, Woden Library, and in particular Jess for having me. I didn't want to spoil the event for the kids by doing some awkward recording or anything, but I did take plenty of notes and photos of the decor, so instead, I will paint you a little bit of a word picture. Woden Library was absolutely packed out with kids. The next generation of Harry Potter fans, everybody was lining up basically out the door to get into the new activity space, which was formerly an Access Canberra shop front so that they could be sorted in to their houses. Yes, that's right. There was live sorting with a hat going on at Woden Library. So as they lined up, each kid got a show bag, complete with book journal, a marauder's map and information about other events that are coming up on at uh, libraries ACT. So, very impressively, there were actually only a couple of tears at the sorting. There was one poor little girl who got put into a different house to her siblings, which, as Ron Weasley himself was also very worried about, is very stressful. Um, The kids were all dressed up in fantastic costumes with lots of brooms, glasses, scars, so many robes. And um, I am very confident that Harry Potter is now safely in the hands of the next generation. So once each kid was sorted into their house, each house got to take a turn at a different station set up in the activity space. There was a divination class with Professor Trelawney, Diagon Alley which you accessed through a brick wall which hung down from the ceiling. There were wizarding shops. You could even make your own wand by choosing the wood and the core, like there were unis- there was like unicorn sparkly stuff and phoenix feathers. It was amazing. There was a Quidditch field set up, which was kind of like Quidditch beer pong with, um, with little badminton rackets. And kids could even sit owl exams in a set-up classroom. And the kids were surprisingly very serious about their exams. They waited for the teacher to say when to begin. They wrote, like, raised their hands to ask questions. You know, they took it really seriously. Then, if you were brave enough, you could even take one of Snape's potion-making classes as long as you stayed behind the safety line. Our friends at Harry Hartog had set up a pop-up bookshop inside the space and there was even a corner where you could take Azkaban selfies. And the ACT library staff, they really made this event. They were the heart and soul of this event. They put in so much effort into their own costumes as well as the activities and everything ran so smoothly. The venue was chock-a-block with children, I cannot stress enough how many kids were at this event. It was completely sold out. And the event, in my opinion, it went off without a hitch. There was so, so much planning that obviously went on. There was so much attention to detail. In fact, there was even one point, to give you an example of just how seriously the library staff took this, there was even one point where somebody asked Molly Weasley where the toilets were, and she replied to them, watch out for moaning Myrtle. So it was an absolutely fantastic event, and I'm really looking forward to seeing more of what Woden Library does with their new activity space. However, there was another big Harry Potter event this month, and that was the release of the special 20th anniversary editions of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. My friend Donna and I picked up our house editions, and we chatted about them over lunch. So I'm on my way to meet some friends to pick up the 20th anniversary edition of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I've just walked out of the office, you can hear me crossing the street now. Um, I'm so excited, I've been looking forward to this all week. Um, I was agonising this morning again about what to wear because I have to go back to work after lunch so I couldn't wear anything too uh, wizardy so um, I've settled on just normal work clothes but with my Hogwarts, uh, it's sort of like, I guess like a little bit like a high school baseball jersey with the Hogwarts um, insignia on the back. Anyway, so I've settled on that. I've taken off my boring black Cardi, I've put that on and I am on my way to meet Donna and Susanna. Okay, so I just took a quick shortcut through David Jones. Just outside the front of Dimmicks in the city, which is downstairs in the camera centre. Can I see Donna? Or am I the first one here? Oh, there she is! Oh, Hello. Nice. Hello! Oh my gosh, I'm so excited! Whereabouts are they? Well, <gasps> they're there right in front of you, although they're there because they're number one on the charts. Oh, of course they are. Of course they are. Oh, don't they look I nice? Look, I, mean, I have to get ready and look at her. I That's know, so I hilarious. know. So I'm picking up one of those for Annie. And I'm going to get this one. This, have we beat Susanna? We... Susanna's not coming. Oh, she's, she's not out coming. about half an hour ago. Oh dear. Well, that's okay. Which are you getting? getting? I'm going to get Hufflepuff. So I will do that right now. Alrighty. So Donna and I have now settled in for lunch at King O'Malley's in Canberra and we've managed to snag ourselves the castle room which I think couldn't be more appropriate, don't you think?
1: It's just like the three broomsticks. Oh, it's fantastic. It's got
0: barrels, it's got... what do you call those little windows where people aim that bow and arrows through? Um, uh,
1: I want to say crannels, but I don't think it is. Uh, I want to say the...
0: palisade and I don't think that's right no, either.
1: Okay. We know castle terminology, perhaps just not the correct are Yeah, we're not, here, we're not here to talk castles, we're here <laughs> to
0: talk Harry Potter. So we've just picked up our 20th anniversary editions of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Donna, do you want to tell us a bit about the one you got?
1: So I picked up um, the Ravenclaw hardcover, which is just beautiful. It's in the Ravenclaw colours of blue and bronze. And I'm just flicking through it because I haven't actually had a look. Oh my God, look at that. You've got a map of Hogwarts. Look at that. That's so nice. We're, We're kind of freaking out because there's an introduction to ravenclaw inside mine it's beautifully illustrated i don't know who's done the illustrations but um there's a bit about the house about what makes ravenclaws proud there's just there's a bit about the house found this is so worth the money good god i'm gonna go back and get slytherins
0: yeah this and now this was cheap guys this was 21.99 dollars 99 at Um, at Dimmick's and if you wanted to get the non-hardcover one it was like what they had it for $12 it was for $12 that's Australian dollars
1: to anyone who's not Australian that's listening to this
0: yeah which means it's even cheaper wherever you come from yeah um so I got the Hufflepuff edition which of course has the yellow and black pages it's got quite a bit of a bumblebee
1: it, does. it going doesn't really it which is bumblebee. which is
0: really i think i really think actually hufflepuff's crest shouldn't be the badger i think it should be the bumblebee
1: it's very cute isn't it
0: yeah and so we obviously uh in hufflepuff we've got uh helga hufflepuff and an introduction it's got information we've also got the map information about our house ghost the fat fryer our livery the relic it's uh, it's just. You know, you've got all of this extra stuff, plus, obviously, the quintessential Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone stories. So. And there's loads of information at the
1: back as well. There's a sorting, there's a Hogwarts quiz. That, oh. oh, my
0: gosh. Oh. oh, my God. You you get... It's, Famous
1: Hufflepuff alumni. It's absolutely worth getting... I mean, uh, Harry and I, before the podcast started, we were talking about how many copies and versions of Philosopher's Stone we've got. And I think I've got... This is now my sixth version of Philosopher's Stone, and it's... They've put extra content in there, it's absolutely worth it.
0: Yeah, definitely worth it. So, alright, well I thought today we could do a bit of a, you know, because it's the 20th anniversary this month. So 20 years we've been absolutely losing our minds over the world (laughs) that is Harry Potter. Um, so I thought we could actually, uh, it's just the two of us today, Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff. So I thought we could just actually do a bit of a, you know, go through some of our own personal stats. So Donna, obviously you're a Ravenclaw. Yes. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about your house and your wand and your Patronus?
1: Oh gosh. Okay. Well, my house obviously is Ravenclaw and I, when I first got into Harry Potter, which was about 16 years ago, I always thought my house would be Gryffindor, but actually over the years I've evolved more into a Ravenclaw I think it's because I love books I like smart people I I assume I'm pretty witty, but, you know.
0: She stays up all hours writing things.
1: <laughs> yes, I, I don't get sleep, <laughs> And, you know, I'm always ahead of deadlines. I'm a bit of a Hermione, even though she was in Gryffindor. But, you know. I
0: think Gryffindor
1: if, was perhaps not
0: hermione i don't, I've house. I never thought Hermione was Gryffindor, but there you go. You know, um, somebody who loves books as much as she does. And also somebody, yeah, somebody who...
1: Somebody who's as clever. Her, her yeah. main skill set is the fact that she's smart. She should have been a Ravenclaw.
0: But even that house elf spew thing like that's that's like a Hufflepuff thing that's something a Hufflepuff would do looking out for others looking you know like I don't know about this Gryffindor Hermione scenario anyway so and and what's your wand
1: my wand, the core, well, hmm, core, almost certainly unicorn hair. Yep. And I think it would be holly as well. But it, yeah, would, be, okay. it, it would be quite, it would be inflexible. Is that a word? Inflexible? Yeah, inflexible. inflexible. Rigid. Rigid, yep. So yep. it would be holly, unicorn hair, and my Patronus.
0: <sighs> what did? What was your Pottermore Patronus? Do
1: you know what? I can't remember. What, I did Pottermore so many years ago. I was That's actually good. part of the initial 1% uh, of the first intake of Pottermore oh. for the beta test yeah. So and lots of other people I knew were waiting months and months to get in, yeah, I, I yeah. was one of the very first to get into Pottermore and I cannot remember what my Patronus was
0: because they've updated the test mm. and the new test I think is actually much better and it's much more fun, you're sort of doing this really kind of spooky 3D animated trip through the woods. I've seen, I've seen the kind yeah. of the
1: people um, put online their finished Patronus and it's got that lovely kind of mystical ghosty kind Yeah, of and it's it's, a, really it's
0: animated great. with really, yeah. you know, like the, the music is really quite good as well. So okay, well, what would you what do you think your Patronus would be?
1: I like the idea of some kind of delicate bird, a hummingbird or something like that. Something that could flit really quickly. Something that's in industrious that. but not really industrious something that's I like the idea of I'm not graceful so I would like my patronus to be graceful for (laughs) me (laughs) something delicate and graceful which is everything I'm not but there you go
0: yeah so I'm also a lapsed Gryffindor um and I think probably the older I've gotten definitely the less I've identified with Gryffindor though on the original Pottermore I got sorted into Gryffindor and I cheated and had like a few different email accounts and I was always in Gryffindor <laughs> and then in the new Pottermore which I think actually has the superior test um, I got sorted into Hufflepuff and I was like what Hufflepuff and again I cheated I had a few different accounts Hufflepuff 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 and you know since um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them has come out obviously Hufflepuffs have gotten a little bit more yeah uh, popular I yeah. think because Newt Scamander is a very famous Hufflepuff and so um, I think I have actually come to terms with I, I am a Hufflepuff. I'm like, you know, like... I don't think you you, you could fit into
1: Hufflepuffs, you know. You, yeah. You, you've got like human it. rights background. You're always thinking about other people. Yeah,
0: so. yeah. And a bit, you know, I think Hufflepuffs are a bit offbeat, but they can still be quite courageous as yeah. well. Um, so my wand also, Pottermore tells me my wand is cherry wood and unicorn hair, which is quite bendy, and I think that that actually works quite well because ch- cherry wood is quite... Mm, brightly coloured, you know, it's, it's 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 pretty wood. Um, I really like it, and I'm people who know me. I think would definitely describe me as quite bendy. And then my my patronus, um, I got the Manx cat, which is a cat. What on earth is that? So it's a type of it's a type of native cat from British Isles actually. So it's just a normal little, and people have it as pets and stuff. But they're naturally bobtailed. Oh, and okay. there are all these. Historical stories about how they're actually a hybrid between a cat and a rabbit, and I love rabbits. And so, I've and look, I've come to terms with the fact that I'm a fluffy Hufflepuff with a fluffy Patronus, (laughs) and it's okay. I can be cuddly. It's it's okay. So, um, one of our one of my friends who couldn't be here today, actually, um, she's also had to come to terms with who she is because she always wanted to be Ravenclaw, but she's she's decided she probably is a Slytherin. And do do you know what her Patronus is? It's a black mamba snake. Oh, she's definitely Slytherins. Exactly, exactly. So we all just have to accept who we are. That's (laughs) it. Nothing wrong
1: with Slytherins.
0: Nothing wrong, nothing wrong. So Donna, all right, laid on me. How did you first get into Harry Potter 20 years ago?
1: Okay, well, for me, it was 16 years ago. In fact, it was exactly 16 years ago to the month. I was eight months pregnant with my third child. This child turned out to be 10 pound two, which I think in Australian is like big. five kilos. That's, that's how big it is. It's too it, big. <laughs> it, 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 it's something that will make you scream, put it that way. And, um, and I was very fed up. It was a hot summer. I couldn't move. I had two other children under the age of five. And Goblet of Fire was just about to be released in the UK. Now, kids have been going mad for um, Harry Potter for years. But adults were only just sl- slowly starting to come to terms with this. Here
0: we go, we've got our food
1: Oh we've got food, thank you. Not a problem. Thank you. Is this a in here? Yeah, yeah,
0: brilliant. My book, my book. Oh yeah, God, don't <laughs> Don't get snacks on the books. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, so Goblet of Fire had just come so out. So Goblet
1: of Fire had just come out and there was a lot of press a lot of TV shows were picking up on the fact that this book was really popular, kids were getting into it, what was so great about Harry Potter. And my husband went out and he bought the first four books and he gave them to me and I thought, what the hell are you doing giving me four books? I can't read four books. I've yeah. got you know, two kids and I'm about to give birth to another one. And I read the four books in the space of five days Yep. and I became obsessed. And I literally, and th- these books, the first four Harry Potter books, quite literally saved my sanity because once I'd had my youngest son um, he needed breastfeeding every two hours day and night for six months that was literally my only role in life at that time was to feed this child (laughs) and I could do it one handed because I would always walk around with a Harry Potter book and I literally read the fourth books over and over and over again until the point where my husband turned around to me you know there are other books in the world not just Harry Potter
0: <laughs> there are
1: but I, well <laughs> I wasn't having it I mean I admittedly I'd then picked up Jane Eyre and stuff like that but um, but that really reignited the love of books that I'd had when I was a child and I'd spent the best part of 10 years not reading anything um, and then I became so obsessed I had to find out what was going to happen in book five. So the very first thing I ever Googled, and this was back in the day when there was dial-up and you took 20 minutes to connect to the internet. It
0: took like 15 minutes uh, to download and, one and, image. You ha- and
1: you had the, that horrible crackling, squealing noise as you connected. <laughs> and I went onto the internet and the very first thing I ever Googled was what happens in Harry Potter book five. Oh. And it took me to a website called the Leaky Cauldron. And there I met other people that were as mad and crazy about Harry Potter as me. And uh, we became friends, and within a year, I was working on the website. The website was getting 50 million hits every month. It was massive. Um, I was asked by Warner Brothers and EA Games to be a consultant on the movie tie-in products. So, um, for example, the Order of the Phoenix computer game. I would go up to the studios, I would interview people who were involved in it, got loads of free gifts, got to see stuff that nobody else saw. It was just brilliant yeah. Uh, so
0: we really do have the world's biggest Harry Potter so, fan so, sitting with us so here today. So quite literally, yeah, I am. There you go. <laughs> Suck it up. <laughs> I'd like to see someone beat that.
1: <laughs> so that was how I got into Harry Potter and how it's literally changed my life.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So I, um, I'm just a bit younger than Donna. So when I, when Har- she's when a lot
1: I, younger than me. A bit younger.
0: A bit younger. So so when. 20 years ago I was nine years old and I think I was probably maybe a year or two behind the times because um, unlike Donna being in the thick of it in the UK I was living in rural Victoria where um, look a lot of the people who lived in my town I'm not convinced they could read let, let alone they liked to read <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway so my um I, I just have this really super vivid memory because um people my nickname is Harry and um, and uh, I have this really vivid memory in my primary school. I must have been about ten or eleven years old. And a friend of mine, she was the daughter of the um, the school librarian. And I was, I was in, the, I was in the school library, and I was looking at the shelves. And she came up to me, and she said to me, "Have you read a book called Harry Potter?" And I was like, "Harry Potter? What trash is that? I'm the only Harry that's allowed to be Harry." <laughs> <laughs> and I was so, I just remember being so. Scathing and so skeptical of how could this book possibly be any good, but I should have listened to you, Catherine Brissett, and I think I did listen to you. So, <laughs> so I, I took her advice and um, and I picked up Harry Potter, and I just was absolutely lost. And um, you know, the the I remember um, what was the first? So, what
1: had Um, Philosopher's Stone just been released when you got it? So I head?
0: think it had been
1: released.
0: Book two had been released. Book three was had it was just about to come out or had just come out so I must have been because it was pretty I felt like the first three came out pretty quickly
1: yeah they were they were one year after another after the first four were yearly releases and then there was a three-year gap between book four and five so when did book five come out uh book five came out oh my gosh 2000 uh, was that
0: 2003 do you reckon no i think it was earlier
1: than that 2007 was when deathly hallows came out because that was when i emigrated yeah half blood prince was two years before that yeah uh and then uh order of the phoenix was was two years before that so okay so 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 it must have
0: been three 2003 okay so it was either book four or book five but um you know because I was living in a small country town so there just wasn't that much Harry Potter hype and like we'd only kinda just started we'd only just got the internet at our place so um and I think yeah because anyway, so I remember my family took a trip to the UK and by sheer serendipity either book four or book five had come out um on our trip. And so I managed to get my whole family and we went to a bookstore and we lined up and there were people dressed up and I was just blown away Mm. by the fandom around this. I'd never seen anything like that. I just had and I didn't see you know, I just yeah, and it was sort of the same thing when the final book came out, finally here in Australia. You know, I remember pre ordering my book and lining up at the borders and you know it was just it was just madness and then there was not I, I felt like there wasn't anything like it until last year um and harry potter and the cursed child came out
1: i, I don't think there will I, I don't even think cursed child was on par with the the actual seven book releases no um, I, it wasn't, it, it's it big wasn't but to for those of us who actually kind of lived through those Potter years you can't really explain just how mad it was yeah, the the build up, the the going along to release parties. I mean, people were queuing up at midnight for a book. Yeah, who who does, who does that? that? And that, who would do that now? That's the incredible you know? legacy, I think, of J.K. Rowling. She, yeah, she made people fall in love with books. She got kids reading. Yeah, people queuing up and dressing up yep. for books, the fandom around it. And I was really well into the fandom. You know, oh yeah, just and the, the message
0: boards online. Far. You know, the websites. I remember actually um just scouring the JK Rowling website because mm. that was I mean when she had her personal website um and it was I don't know, I mean I don't know if you remember it was kind of like her desk it was her desk and, and everything was animated and there were yeah. all these little easter eggs that you could find and then and she would uh, you would get like a
1: an actual event on her website and literally it would millions of people would be trying to find the clues to unlock a door, which would lead to, like, you know... Another clue. You know, chapter titles being revealed or, you know... I remember when um, the cover for Deathly Hallows was released. It was literally just the cover was released. Um, I was working on the website then, and I was actually the manager of the actual gallery section, and we must have dissected every single pixel of that cover for about four hours, Yeah. to the point where the Bloomsbury dog... We interpreted that as we thought Sirius was coming back. Oh. We, we were the, just out of our minds by this stage. We lack of yeah, sleep yeah. and, you know...
0: It, yeah, it, it was, was just unreal. Fun. It was so much fun. Oh, my gosh. And the arguments people would get into over the internet about... You Shipping know, Who was wars going to end and, up with who. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, what kind of shipper were you? Were you a Harry Hermione or I think a Harry Hermione? Hermione? I think Harry Hermione. I, like, I, I loved Ron, but I don't think Ron was enough for Hermione. I think, I think, I don't know, the, the respect between Harry and Hermione, like they never really fought, they really cared for one another, they boosted one another up. Whereas I felt like Ron and Hermione cut each other down a lot, and I'm not sure that that's a basis for a good relationship.
1: Yeah, you see, I'm I'm the opposite. I was always a Ron and Hermione, but I yeah. never saw Harry and Ginny. Never got that.
0: No, I never saw Harry and Ginny either.
1: I think that was done for convenience to give Harry a home.
0: Yeah, no, I agree completely. I think it was he, it gave him an in, an official in to the Into Weasley family. the Weasleys, family. absolutely. Yep yeah yeah definitely so okay we've just covered a bunch of the highlights i think of some of the some of the 20 years do you reckon there were any low points do you think that there were any like dark points in harry
1: potter yeah um what in terms of the fandom around it or the actual books themselves both, both. um my biggest criticism of the book and i say this as a published author myself is that i think by the time jk rowland got to order of the phoenix she was literally untouchable as a writer. Yeah. And I don't think, in my opinion, but I know a lot of people share this, um, that as amazing as she is and as amazing as the world is, no editor was prepared to take her on and say, you don't need this in the book. It has got nothing to do with the story. For example, the Spew storyline.
0: What the hell is that? What was that adding? And it just made Hermione, I think, seem ridiculous. It
1: did. And it was completely out of character. And the other one that I would point to as well is Grawp
0: with um, Hagrid's author
1: it did nothing to forward the story and and what I have learned as being an author and having my own work continually edited is that you you keep your eye on the story yes it's okay to have all these peripheral storylines but your story has got to be progressing and when you've got a book already the size of a brick you need to cut things out and I think that that for me was that the biggest shame is that nobody turned around to her and said This storyline needs to be cut. Mm -hmm. I think... I I look at Order of the Phoenix, especially, and I think that book could have been so much tighter, which would have made it just an absolute classic.
0: There was too much going on. I felt like, you know, you had the whole Ministry of Magic, everybody's running around there shooting spells. You've got Harry, who's going through his, like, 15-year-old anxiety thing, and I think... All caps, Harry. All caps, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And there was... Yeah, there was just so much... You're right. And because that was, was that the longest one as well? Order of the Phoenix has more
1: words in it than the Bible, apparently. Mm. I haven't counted them myself, but I can well believe it. It's probably got more readers than the
0: Bible. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, one thing I wanted to raise with you, because um, I felt like Harry Potter was really a turning point in terms of the idea of spoiler culture. Because I remember when Book 6 came out, half-blood prince i probably should have prefaced this with we're going to be talking about a lot about spoilers but to be honest if you haven't read the harry potter Potter books by now why are you you listening listening to to the podcast yeah exactly anyway so obviously dumbledore dies in book six right Mm. and i remember it had it had come out on a day i had gone home i had the book i stayed up all night reading it i finished it i went to school the next day And it was, like, 8.30 in the morning and there was a kid in my school going around and telling everybody that Dumbledore Mm. died. He hadn't even read the book. He just saw it on the internet or saw it somewhere. And he just happily just went and ruined it for people, I felt. Because, like, Mm. you know, for me, yeah, I read really fast. But some people, they like to take their time. They like to enjoy it. You know, and, and I feel like... That was a real precursor to spoiler Absolutely. culture. Absolutely, you know? couldn't agree
1: more. And I was working on the website at that time, and we were having people literally log in as brand new users, mm. and their their username was Snape Kills Dumbledore, mm. and they were just posting just to say this and the other, th- and it, it wasn't even online either; it was in real life. I remember. Um, uh, Didn't be, someone do a banner? Or someone something? painted on a bedsheet "Snape kills Dumbledore," hung it over a motorway bridge. So literally thousands of people <laughs> are driving under this motorway bridge in the UK with this oh banner. <laughs> "I mean, what kind of person, first of all, does that?" What
0: kind of a Death Eater? That's like yeah, a Death that, Eater that's thing, to do, isn't it? thing yeah. to do. Such a Slytherin thing to do. But it
1: was that. That is the first time I think in 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 the history of culture of pop media culture that you can look back and think this is when the whole idea of spoiling Mm. really, really came through and you can't control it. Mm.
0: So, do you have any predictions for the future of Harry Potter? Obviously, you know, it's been announced there's going to be five movies in the Fantastic mm. Beasts and Where to Find Them series. Which also, are they going to call them all Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them? Because that really doesn't no, roll off the tongue. No, never in a million years. So, well, we've discussed this at length via emails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Um,
1: So my opinion is that Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is the first of five books that will tell the story of Dumbledore, Grindelwald. And it will go through the, the whole... Um, Prehistory to Harry Potter. Yeah. So I think by the time you get to book four, you're gonna have a book. Um, you're gonna have a film. Sorry, by the time you get to film four, you're gonna have a film about the Marauders. Ah,
0: see, and I. And I've that's got to... what I'm
1: holding out for because I cannot cope with five books about Newt Scamander and a bunch of animals. Yeah. So, no, that's <laughs> not gonna happen.
0: Whereas for me, like I actually really enjoyed the creatures. But I, I've got a bit of a different view. I think the, the scope of the five films is going to be much shorter because it started out in the 1920s and I think it's going to finish up on, on 1945. It's going to draw parallels w- with World War II because there's suggestions that Grindelwald was very much involved in World War II. Mm. And then he's going to be defeated um, by Dumbledore in 1945. The war is over. That's but do what you I think, think
1: they, they've got the scope in five movies to do that, because we already know... In do f- I think
0: they do? In, no. <laughs>
1: well, well in, in film two, we already know that Jude Law is going to play mm-hmm. the younger Dumbledore. We say younger Dumbledore, Jude Law's in his 40s, mm. you know, Johnny Depp, worst casting ever... As Grindelwald, what were um, they thinking? Is in his 50s. What were they thinking? I I, I think we're going to get a couple of films based on Dumbledore and Grindelwald, but then I think it's going to go into the Marauders and Young Snape and Lily. You're going to find out what happened with them. And yeah, god, I can't face the four movies of Johnny Depp. No, thank oh, you. Oh, no,
0: I know, I know. They should have kept um, what's his face? Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, got. he, he was, was amazing excellent. in that he movie. He was excellent when I really also more spoilers, when I realised that um, it was actually going to be Johnny Depp, I was like, oh. Why couldn't they have kept Colin Farrell? I don't know. He was perfect. He He was was ice cold. He had that really kind of, yeah, that kind of
1: handsome, sinister, you can see why people would go to him immaculately Who dressed the like hell? the lucius
0: malfoy kind of outfit yeah thing going on with the walking stick. but the off. way
1: he was grooming yeah uh that young boy oh, was, oh yeah that, that was sinister that, that was, was so oh. sinister
0: do you think he's gonna come back as like the obscurus
1: no I, I think that was an introduction to the obscurus which will lead us on to ariana, ariana.
0: yeah okay okay um do you think that there'll be more books
1: um, Harry Potter. No, I don't. I think she's finished with the seven. I think we've got the cursed child, which is what happened after Harry Potter. You'll have Fantastic Beasts, which I have no doubt she'll release the screenplays because you know, let's face it, it's the cash cow that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we'll ever go back to Harry Potter. She doesn't need to. I think it's all being said. Yeah, I, I think do. Too much is almost being said. Yeah. you know. I wish. That's another thing, actually. I wish. I wish the reader could be allowed to just now make up their own mind about what happens next. Can, can you give the the readers that kind of, you know?
0: No, because you have to have that last line. What was it? All is well. All is well. And you're like, oh, that's so beige. What a beige ending. It is. For like yeah. seven books of just...
1: But the last word was originally going to be scar. and she changed it, she was writing Deathly Hallows. And
0: I wonder what, how that was going to yeah. be. Because I was wondering, is this scar going to disappear? Is it just going to start hurting? Yeah.
1: Well, I always thought that, because I always believed that Harry was a Horcrux. In fact, before Deathly Hallows, the book was released, I I was invited to write uh, a chapter on Horcruxes for a a charity book that was released. And um, one of my theories was that Nagini was a Horcrux. And my other theory was the fact that Harry was a Horcrux. And I thought once Voldemort left him, Um, and I actually always thought that Voldemort would be withdrawn from Harry via a Dementor.
0: Mm. That's that's how I that's how
1: I always thought it was going to happen. N- Gosh, n- not that not would have been dramatic. It Would have been really dramatic, but um, but it wasn't. But I always thought the scar would disappear once once the Horcrux in Harry went.
0: I think that's almost better than a sort of. Like I never. It, it just doesn't make sense train. to me because
1: that scar is a magical scar. Yeah. You take the magic out of him, well, what as it? in the dark magic, and you know the yeah. scar would have gone. Yep. But who am I to, you know, tell J.K. Rowling how to do her books?
0: <laughs> yeah, so when I first heard the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, was coming out as a film. My first thought was that they were going to do a film kind of tie-in to each of the textbooks, and they'd have like a Quidditch Through the Ages one, and they'd have like <coughs> a, what's it called, Bibbidi-Babbidi or whatever um, it is? Um, beat all the Beatle the Bard the Bard. And uh, anyway, so obviously that's not going to be the case and then I thought oh maybe they're going to set it in different countries which I think will likely be the yeah case. I, I think they're going to go to Europe they'll
1: get to go to Europe next yeah
0: yep um because obviously as a Harry Potter fan living in Australia I have just always wanted there to be a bit of a bit of magic down under though I have to say um given the events of the past year I'm actually not convinced that JK Rowling would be able to do it
1: Oh, the cultural oh. side of it. Oh no, no, no! no. Cultural appropriation no. is not exact- her strong point.
0: Exactly. After all the after all the dramas with the African schools and you know Native American Native American and stuff wizards. like oh, that, it just was a bit of a trash fire, wasn't it? Mm. So, so we don't. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's best that just people in Australia write their own fanfic. <clears throat> I have to say, as somebody who's British,
1: I am very protective over Harry Potter, mm. and I want Harry Potter based in the UK. Mm-hmm. I don't like. I didn't like. The fact that it was based in America for so mm-hmm. Fantastic Beast. I'm, I'm protective. Keep, mm. keep, it's ours. We have so little that's cool.
0: <laughs> so, what did you think about in Book Four when she introduced uh, and Bobaton? I loved it. Yeah, I, r-
1: I really liked the idea that this whole Wizarding world was being opened up.
0: Yeah, but you didn't want her to go so I far as to. Yeah, I don't. I don't.
1: For me, it's. It's all about Hogwarts. It's about, you know, the settings, the magical settings, you know, like um, Godric's Hollow. Mm. It's Britain. I I don't need to go to these places. Mm. Mm. But, uh, yeah, widen it up. I like it. I like the the idea of other wizards in schools. So do you think you'll keep rereading Harry Potter as the years go on? Uh, Do you know what? I I, I reread Harry Potter about two years ago. I tend to go... I think because I overdosed on it for about ten years, mm. um, I like to kind of go a couple of years now, in between reading it again. But yeah, it's, it's absolutely one of those series that I will just carry on watching because it's uh, reading and and even the the the, um, the movies. I think they they did a very faithful adaptation yeah. of the movies. You know, it's they they kept they kept that sense of magical culture, which yeah. which I love. So. Um,
0: yeah, And the, you know what, the thing I liked about the films is that um not so much Fantastic Beasts because I felt like they didn't really do much of this. There was a lot, of, a lot of like, and maybe it was a bit of a take on American gun culture or something, but a lot of the wand work was just like flashing white light, you know, like a bit gun-like. But I really enjoyed in the original films just the little flourishes of magic. Like there's a scene that always, I remember seeing it in the cinemas and it just stuck with me where... Malfoy writes, like, a nasty note to Harry Potter and he charms it so it folds up like origami. In Prisoner of Azkaban.
1: And oh, was that in Prisoner, in Prisoner of Azkaban? of Azkaban. And he blows yeah. it and it and flies it.
0: across the room. Yeah. And that wasn't in the books, but I thought it was just such a nice visual addition to the film. So, Alf- so you've got that sense yeah. of, like, being in the classroom.
1: Alfonso Cuaron, who um, directed the third movie, he, um, he mm-hmm. really brought a different kind of... Almost romanticised, if you kind of we're, we're going to look at it in an arts, art kind of culture way, um, and that kind of little, little things like that, and and you know the the um, the dementors flying over the landscape and everything mm. suddenly freezing. It was mm. just you know things like that. You 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 realised immediately that you were watching something that was set in a magical world. Whereas I think that the downfall for Fantastic Beasts is for me, though it wasn't magical. It was just New York. There was magic, but it wasn't wasn't magical. magical.
0: I think the only real scene where I felt it was magical is um, when Newt is in the apartment with the two sisters Mm. and uh, they're making dinner and doing the ironing and stuff and they're just like waving ones and stuff. But even that seemed
1: lazy to me. It didn't didn't have the same effect as when you saw Molly Weasley going into the burrow for the first time. Yeah. You know, seeing the the knitting needles Mm. kind of going and... um, you know, the, the pan scrubbing itself. That, that I don't know. You, I think as well, because you saw it through Harry's eyes, there was that sense so of was like wonder the first time. The first Amanda, time. Yeah. Where, whereas, you know, the, the whole New York setting,
0: it just seemed, you know, it just seemed lazy to me. I did like the, I, I did like the, um, I've forgotten her name, but, you know, the, not the main girl, but the sister. Queenie. Was it Queenie? I think maybe it was Queenie. And she sort of enchants that uh, pastry to braid itself. And then it cooks and mm. the um, the baker is really excited by it. And that kind of ties into him opening his baker- she bakery. Was, um, later. She was an adorable... I, She was actually my favourite. She character. was my and, and, and Jacob as well. Yeah, and Jacob, yeah. The, those
1: two were my favourites. The, the others I could have absolutely done without.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean Newt was okay, but the love interest I, I wasn't sold on. She was a bit she was a bit beige as well. She was beige, yeah. There's nothing interesting. I couldn't mm. even remember her name. No, oh, this is my point, like, mm. I can't remember the names, yeah. you know. Yeah. Alrighty, well, I think we should probably eat our lunch. We have. Been, yeah. Well, I've been well, eating been mine all the way so through it, Sorry so about that. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> apologies
1: for, you know, if you hear me slurping.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks so much, Donna. Thank you. Little bit of a slow month this month with only four books read. The first was the Stella prize winner Museum of Modern Love, which took me 11 days of complaining and sighing to finish, so probably not much more I need to say about that. Uh, Then was Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe, which was a super fun book and even more fun was cooking recipes from the back with my friends and watching the film together. Next was a really great book I was sent to review called Wake Me Up by Justin Bogg, which was a very thoughtful and insightful book about homophobia, bullying and families. Then finally, of course, I just I had to reread Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone if for no other reason than just to enjoy the new content in some of my wonderful editions that I've collected. All right, readers, that's it from me, and that's it for season 1. Thanks for listening, and please stay in touch by following the Tinted Edges blog, the Tinted Edges Facebook page, or by leaving comments on SoundCloud. I love comments, leave comments. I'm looking forward to cooking up some great new content for you when I return for Season 2.